Coming up on today's show, we talk the Browns' shocking decision to release Josh Gordon and our stories from our time in the locker room with a talented but troubled wide receiver. And Fitzmagic is back for another helping. Patrick Mahomes is on pace to throw for a billion touchdowns. And some guy retired at halftime this week. But finally, we talk studs of the week, we answer fan questions, and check in on our DraftKings squads. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome to the Tomahawk Show, presented by Uninterrupted. Interact with our show, following us on social at Tomahawk Show, and be sure to use the hashtag Tomahawk if you want to interact with us and let us know how we're doing, or just tell us something about us that sucks, because that's yeah, what that's most it. people on social media do. So That's typically uh, what our tweets are. Yeah, and uh, we're trying to boost our social media game, so please support our amazing memes on social media by liking them or retweeting them or whatever happens on Instagram. Cause I'm not on that one. Um, Joe, did you think that after playing 11,000 snaps, um, 500 seasons and making 24 pro bowls that you would be pubbing memes on social media? <laughs> Do you think well, that's what you, was all going to culminate to? Considering that you were the one that encouraged me to get onto social media in the first place. And you kind of helped me navigate the initial waters of Twitter and that was like in year nine or 10. I think it was my ninth season. People on the, the Browns fans have no idea what I've done with, for them. <laughs> they love having you on social. They don't know that I'm responsible for that. So they can blame you. So go yeah. to at Hawk if you would like to tell Hawk why I suck on social media <laughs> and why it's his fault. He's, he's uh, the new RG3. <laughs> it's always my fault. I'm the podcast RG3. Absolutely. Take it. So, well, as always, Make sure you sign up for the amazing DraftKings Tomahawk League because yes. you get to see why I'm so good at fantasy football in my first games of my entire life and why Hawk is so bad and the we rest have, of Team Tomahawk cannot compete with my fantasy prowess. Do we, have, uh, do we have results from DraftKings? All I know is I'm in the top 20. And I scrolled really? down until my fingers were bleeding to see <laughs> any of the other Tomahawk team members, and there was none to be found. Oh, man, I got to check it. I have no idea where I'm at. I know my team sucked after a while, and I stopped checking in. You know your, your fantasy team is bad when you just stop caring? Here's what I'd like to know, though. Last time I checked, Hawk, you had Patrick Mahomes, right? No, I didn't. So what? I thought you had Patrick Mahomes, and I'm no, like, dude, I, I, six touchdowns, Hawk's going to be winning this thing. <laughs> So because we had technical difficulties, I ended up changing my lineup like six times because like every time we tried, it wouldn't work. So my team kept changing. I ended up going with Deshaun Watson, which oh, wasn't. Why would you do that? I don't know, man. I've been man. telling you guys on the show for a couple weeks now that Deshaun Watson might be a really good player, but right now he's just going to be up and down because he's inexperienced. <sighs> don't go crowning him the next Tom Brady or Michael Jordan. He wasn't, like, horrible. No, but he's not going to give you 350 and four touchdowns every week. No, he's not, man. He's not. I don't think I have anybody else playing. I'm in, I'm in place 77 right now. I am one place above you at 76th. <laughs> so we're doing Tomahawk great. Tomahawk sticks together. Great job, guys. I don't believe Joe is top 20. Dude, look it up. It's, it's all facts, right. my friend. So you're, be you're a better GM than a pick'em because your pick'ems usually suck. So no, I'm holding out hope. Hang on. My pick'ems were pretty solid this week. And actually, 
I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. This is the, this is the first year clearly of my life that I've ever been into sports gambling. Right. So I am like, I would really like to care about every NFL game. So I'm like, well, maybe if I put like 10 or 20 bucks on every single game, now I'm going to have like a vested interest in every game. So uh, (laughs) my neighbor and I, we like bet on all these games and uh, I had a really good weekend. I bet really solid bets i i looked at all the things that you've been saying on the tomahawk show i i processed them all and i <laughs> i threw the money out there and i scored big this weekend so i'm really pumped on this early monday morning from what happened yesterday and that exciting weekend of football i hope we have the results no face nat slash natty what is her name is it natty ice have we had the official results? I know we threw a Twitter poll out there or maybe an Instagram poll. Let's, let's, bring, let's bring in another producer that's been here from day one that hasn't really ventured into the talent side yet. We got – his name is – his nickname is TD, but he's never scored a TD. So it's <laughs> us, he's never scored a TD. That's his name. So never scored a TD. Uh, what were the results of the, the Nat poll? The results – I have the results all around, guys. The results of the Nat oh, poll was nice. 60% out there natty ice nice okay so an out winner and as for joe's question about how he ranked in the tomahawk week two fantasy contest he is number 16 actually Ooh. so you know the you know, uh, yeah we are taping early monday and the monday night football is part of the contest so we would know on thursday's show who won week two's league oh okay can't well, wait can't wait well i love can't it wait. Well, let's get into it, man. We got this is the biggest news of the weekend. Um, obviously, it's 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 very close and near and dear to me and your heart because we kind of lived through this whole thing, especially you. But uh, the Josh Gordon experiment in Cleveland seems to have officially come to an end. They announced on Friday that they plan to release Josh Gordon, and later, you know, I think they're going to try to make a trade. Or teams have been calling about acquiring Josh's services. I mean, I, I don't know. I, you said on Twitter that we would get to the bottom of this, and I, I'm not exactly sure what happened. We, I think we've heard everything that everyone else has heard and just kind of process the information that way. So I'm going to kick it to you, Joe. What have you heard was the, the direct reasoning for the timing of getting rid of, of JG in Cleveland? So I flew over to Cleveland really quick yesterday. Obviously. Uh, on Saturday before they left on uh, Hawks' private jet. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed Hugh Jackson by the ankles and I shook him upside down for about <laughs> 35 minutes straight until he would give me the answers on Josh Gordon. And here's what he told me. He's like, you know what? You just come to a point with a player where you just can't put up with it anymore. And so the late breaking inside information that I have for you is they just couldn't put up with Josh Gordon anymore. <laughs> so they decided to cut him. But actually, I did find a paper trail. And it led all the way to our lovely producer, Zerm, because he actually, unlike us two former teammates, <laughs> friends of Josh Gordon, friends of Hugh Jackson, friends of Jimmy Haslam, friends of D. Haslam, friends of John Dorsey, who have zero information behind the scenes, <laughs> we've got our producer here who's a lifelong Browns fan who has random people DMing him on social media telling him the dirty, dirty secrets behind mm. what happened with the Josh Gordon and the juicy secrets behind the Josh Gordon situation. Zer, yeah. why don't you jump in and, and give us some background and give us some information. Let us know what is going on and why the Browns have decided that 
enough is finally enough with Josh Gordon. Yeah, you know, I've been working the landline, the hot working the landlines. <laughs> Phones are ringing all over the place. Um, the rotary. The rotary phone. Do we have a tomahawk tip line? Popping. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we, need a tomahawk. we need a tomahawk tip line ASAP. <laughs> just like a red phone that sits in a corner and we just wait for it to ring. <laughs> so, I mean, the, what I know is mostly about what happened on, on Friday. It was Friday night, and I know that this has kind of been the big – the biggest thing that people have kind of grabbed onto is that Josh Gordon and a film crew were in Berea at a, around 11 p.m. filming what sounds like was a personal promo video for, you know, Josh has kind of been documenting his quote unquote comeback. It was something he was doing when he was down in Florida, when he was away from the Browns. Um, and they had put out a video before he even returned to the team for training camp. So he's kind of had his own social media promo team kind of documenting his his comeback and I that's what they were doing on Friday night and I guess Josh person told me that Josh hurt his hamstring but wasn't really doing anything I guess they were having him like run routes at a slow rate like they were like filming that like mock running routes and stuff and I'm assuming that's when he did it I think there's some other stuff that led up to this but as far as I know that was sort of the over the top moment where it was like you pulled your hamstring doing a promotional shoot. You know, they were they were leaving the next morning too for New Orleans. So yeah. like eleven o'clock in the Browns facility doing this promo shoot for whatever it was gonna be, whether it was going to be part of a hype video they were making for his comeback or whatever it was. But guys, it also does feel like there maybe has been more things leading up to this. And I know for both of you, because you guys, Joe especially spent you know, spent time in the locker room with Josh. You've been through this sort of will he or won't he dance that the Browns have been going on. I mean, what was he like for you guys as teammates, just like as a as a dude in the locker room, as somebody that you guys got to know during your times on uh, time with the Browns? Look, I, I was in the receiver room with Josh. Um, I remember when I first got there, I was kind of like, you know, because Josh is like a standoff dude, especially if he doesn't know you. So I was a new guy. I had signed a contract there. You know, I remember when they signed me, Ray Farmer was like, hey, we need you to, you know, kind of help guide Josh a little bit, similar to, you know, we've heard about how you were with A.J. Green and, you know, kind of help being one of those stable teammates and showing him this, showing him that. Um, and I was kind of like, look, man, I'm a, I came here to to do my own thing. I'm Not that I was resistant against it, but it's hard to – like, I'm not if, – if, if grown men don't want guidance, like, I'm not – I got my own kids kind of thing right so I remember I came and not that I was like overly trying to be a this father figure or like a guidance to him but he's just a resistant guy by nature so he was just like you know standoffish which is cool because I'm standoffish too it actually you know played to it I remember being on the field and he wasn't quite you know a, a, a super hard practice player and I remember thinking like yo this dude is all hype like I don't see it I don't see it at all on a daily basis I didn't see it he got suspended he came back um, and he would have flashes, but even in the games, like, you know, maybe it was a mix of him not knowing the plays. I still was like, I don't understand it. Right. So then after he gets suspended again, um, we have the infamous Vegas trip after that season where the majority of us didn't know he wasn't allowed to drink. And I think he might've had a couple of drinks, nothing crazy. Um, but so he, he got suspended. He was off for the next season. And he came back in 2016. When he came back in 2016, and we had still talked on and off, we had developed a pretty good relationship, like his friends, because we're together every day at this point. When he came back in 2016, 
beyond the fact he was like all in, he was practicing as hard as I've ever seen anybody practice. And I like got really excited and I couldn't believe that he had gotten better after not playing football for two years. I don't know if people realize how rare that is that, you know, we've just seen so many times people leave the game and they're just not the same afterwards. He came back and he was better. And I was like, yo, this is the best wide receiver in the national football league. And it was, wasn't until then that I seen what everybody else seen that it was like, yo, this guy is special. So without continuing to ramble on from a personal standpoint, he was a good guy, man. Like he's, he's good spirited, good hearted. He's just one of those dudes that decision-making just hasn't been his forte. Um, and obviously he's had a substance abuse, things that he's very open about. But like you said, Firm, I think it's – we don't know all the details of the story, but I think it's just – it's not as big as the stuff that it was, but even still the little stuff is even with the new regime, new guys that are trying to set the Browns a new way. They're just like, yo, we got to cut the quarter sometime. I think they're just fed up with all the drama. And – Last week, week one, now he wasn't there a lot in training camp, but I think he had one catch. Now, it was a big catch. I think it was a touchdown. Mm -hmm. But I think they're looking at the production that he's putting out there and weighing that against the amount of drama that he keeps bringing with the suspensions and the time away. And then he's doing this promo video about his comeback. And then he he's not always reliable to show up. And I think they're looking at, at – the good and the bad, and they're just saying, we're tired of taking all the bad and not getting the good. I think if, if he was going out in week one and, and if he performed and caught six balls and really was a big part of that offense, I think they could try to keep putting up with it. Um, but there is a point where you just have had too much and you just can't handle the drama anymore and you want to make that somebody else's problem. However, 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 Last year, when I was with the Browns, I remember there was drama around Josh Gordon, similar to almost every year when mm -hmm. he's been on the Browns. And the Browns came out and said, we are cutting Josh Gordon. Because we've had enough of Josh Gordon. He, he, you know, he lied to us or he didn't show up or whatever the current drama at the time was. And they said, we're done. We're cutting him. And you know what, what they realize is they, they, they all get in that room again and they, they always come back to the same things. This is the most talented receiver in the <laughs> NFL. And he's also dirt cheap. He's <laughs> making less than a million dollars and he can't even be a free agent yet. So they always come back to why would we cut him? We can just suspend him. We can shove him on one of those NFL lists so he doesn't even take up a roster spot. He hardly costs any money mm. and he's always suspended. So that money's going to the NFL anyway. It's not like he's, he's getting paid big bucks. Right. So it's so hard to cut the cord on a guy like this because he doesn't cost anything. And he's so talented. Yeah. And really, like Hawk said, he's not a terrible locker room guy. He's a really nice guy. He's very smart. He's enormously talented. Sometimes he's a little lazy. He doesn't always practice hard, but there's been a lot of times when he's motivated. And I think if you surround the right people around him and a team that's been winning, I think that could encourage him to practice hard and work hard all the time. But he just hasn't had that reliability that, you know what, he's going to be there every day when meetings start. He's going to be watching film. He's going to do all the things that an Andrew Hawkins does because this is important to him, right? right. There's a lot of other things in his life that, he has made a priority over football over the years. 
And a lot of it has been related to his addiction, but also some of these other off the field things like, why would you think it's a good idea to do a documentary promo about your comeback and make videos on a Friday night before you leave for New Orleans of you running around? The last thing on earth I want to be doing on a Friday night, two days before a game, is anything vertically. I want to be doing everything horizontally on Friday night. I want to be laying in bed, watching TV, and doing whatever else I could do horizontally. Right. I do not want to be on my feet because I need to rest my legs. And I know Josh Gordon is going to be doing a lot of running on a Sunday, so why wouldn't he be resting his legs? So that just plays into the decision-making. And I think even if he does have his addiction – in check which we all hope he does mm -hmm. he still has that decision making issue that he's making bad decisions showing up late deciding that doing a promo video on a friday night at 11 is more important than resting his legs for a sunday game so i just don't think that josh gordon was ever going to make it in cleveland and I'm not surprised they're going to get rid of him. And I hope they trade for him because there is value there. A lot of teams want him. So we'll see what happens today yeah. if, if they end up getting something good for him or if other teams are just going to say, we're just going to wait until LeBron stump him and then, and then we'll see what we can pick him up for. I had three teams text me yesterday, early, like on game day, asking if they could jump on the phone and uh, have a conversation about Josh Gordon. Yep. I had, I had one team as well. Yeah. So there's definitely a market for him. Um, but, I mean, and, and actually, I, I think his people understand this too. Every environment is not good for Josh Gordon. That's like what teams got to understand. And, and again, I, I say this as a, obviously a friend of Josh Gordon. I'm incredibly proud of what he's done. I, I get that he still has some decision-making skills that he has to get in check. I get that where we're at now is not ideal. And just like you said, I think the Browns were at a point where if we're – if we can do all this, we can get through the woods on all the things we've, we've come through the woods on. And then two days before a game, after we've set our game plan, after we've had a week of practice, after we're in the biggest point of the season, you're not available still, then it's like, dude, you know, what are we doing? And I understand that. But I do think there's a tremendous upside, and this is beyond the football point, of the Josh Gordon story, what he has the ability to do, the documentary timing, not great. Um, but overall, am I going to watch it? You're damn right I am. <laughs> um, also. Compelling. Yeah, compelling for sure. And, and like I said, not every environment is good for Josh Gordon. You know, and I think he understands that at that point of his life. And no matter, like I said, he's done an incredible job. There are certain places that I don't want to see him play. Certain environments I don't want to see him in that I don't think is good for him or anybody else involved. And, you know, I, I, again, I think he understands that it, it's saddening because it, he is such an incredible talent. Cleveland has backed him. The organization has backed him. You know, he understands what Cleveland has done for him. It's not an ill will thing where he's like, oh, screw the Browns. No, he, he gets it. You know, it's just unfortunate. The ending of the story. If you what? guys had to predict where he ends up or just where you think the best place for Josh to to play next is where for you guys, what is that? What is that organization? I think Dallas, to be yeah. totally honest, I think Dallas would be a good situation for him. I think Jerry Jones would throw a ton of resources at him to be able to put 
some people around him that can guide him with some of those decision-making things. I mean, he was able to do it with Des Bryant. He's, he's been able to do it throughout history with other Cowboys. And the environment, I think, down in Dallas is such that people are, uh, are so much more uplifting. And that whole environment, like if you're a Dallas Cowboy, it means so much in, yeah. in that community, in that uh, state. I mean, just being a cowboy, it doesn't matter who you are, like people are going to look at you and, uh, at, as if you are a hero. And I think some of that could benefit Josh. I think yeah. if he had that uplifting environment where, where people saw him as, hey, you are the savior for this team that we feel like we have a really good team, but we need somebody in the receiver room. And you are that guy that can fill the void of a Des Bryant, a Jason Witten, and you can be our playmaker. I think that could encourage him to make those right decisions and to do the things he needs to do to be a professional. What do you think, Hawk? I agree, man. I think Dallas is the spot. And they've come out and said that's where he wants to land. Either there or San Fran. Obviously, Shanahan's in San Fran, so they have some history there. Um, yeah, but I, I, you're right. I think Dallas is the place. Dallas has dealt with these players before. They've dealt with these kind of issues before. Jerry really doesn't give two shits, to be honest. I mean, they've signed players that with – Far less, re- far worse resumes than Josh Gordon, in my opinion. Greg Hardy, for example, like, I mean, I don't want to throw hands with the dude, but I'm just saying I would sign Josh over Greg Hardy. Um, you know, but yeah, so I, I think it's a good spot for him. He's from Texas, and you're completely right about, about a Dallas fans. They really don't give a damn, to be honest. If you're scoring touchdowns, they don't care. Yeah, and I don't know I if really- you've watched the Dallas Cowboys recently. Um, but it, it, they might be better served with never scored a TD out there. Some of the options that they're throwing to. Yeah. And I think it's important to just highlight one more time that Josh is not a bad guy. He's a really nice guy. He's very quiet. He's not going to disrupt the locker room. Right. He's not going to bring a lot of drama outside of just not being reliable to show up and all the, the, uh, addiction problems. But as far as like the guy in the locker room, he's not going to be dis- a disruptive force. Like, you know, when Dez was in the locker room, he comes in there, he's got this huge personality. He's going to talk, he's going to butt heads. That's not who Josh is. Nope. You know, that, that, those aren't the issues that Josh Gordon brings to a team. Right. Josh isn't going to say two words and we have it in the rundown. It says, if you're a leader in that locker room, what do you say to him? You don't say anything to Josh because you really don't need to. He's going to do his own thing no matter what. He's not going to come in there bucking heads. He's not going to, you know, fight and be like, oh, I'm here now. Throw me the He's not even going to ask for the ball. I've never played in a game with Josh or seen where he's begged for the ball. He actually does the opposite. Like, he might say afterwards he should have got the ball, but in the game, if you don't throw it to him, he's just going to look at you like, you're bad. <laughs> oh, okay you didn't want to win that's your fault it's not yeah. on me i'm, I'm out of here the, the only thing you'll notice if josh isn't getting the ball and he feels like he should the effort level comes down yep exactly. and that's one of the things that i think why dallas would be a great spot for him because he's going to get the ball because they got no other weapons yep they're on a pretty good team so he's going to get the opportunities and i think that'll drive him to work harder to be more reliable and those are all good things for Josh Gordon and they'd be good things for Dallas so to me that'd be a win-win we're going to cover some more brown stuff later in the episode let's move on to our next segment which is called am i tripping featuring joe thomas and andrew hawkins here's my first one joe am i tripping or is Jameis winston's time as the sure starter in tampa coming to an end I don't think you're tripping. 
because nobody's been playing better than Ryan Fitzpatrick or Mr. Uh, Fitzmagic. It's swaggy. I'm really concerned. Like, they have a huge issue down in Tampa. Jameis Winston is the hero, the savior of that franchise. They finally got their quarterback. And all of a sudden, last year, doesn't play so well, gets suspended. Mm -hmm. They bring in this bum off the street with this long, shaggy beard that kind of looks like a homeless guy. The guy that can kind of fill the spot and just be okay enough and guide the team until Jameis is able to come back and prove that he's learned his lesson and he's a better person and better quarterback. But what does Ryan Fitzpatrick do? He goes (laughs) in there and wins him two games and plays like Tom Brady or even better than Tom Brady. And all of a sudden, now we're going – what do we do with Jameis Winston? Do we bench him? Because that's essentially what they're going to be doing in, in two more weeks when he comes back from suspension. And then what happens if Ryan plays well the whole year? Now, is it his job? Do you sign him to a long-term deal? Do you make him your franchise quarterback? Because we've seen this from Ryan Fitzpatrick before. He did it in Buffalo, right? He, yep. he was in there. He played really well. He got the big deal. But then there's always that point in the season where the magic runs out where all of a sudden you see the card that's hidden up his sleeve. The magician, you, you see behind the curtain, and yeah. there's that the team of stage people that are put, pulling the sleight of hand behind you, and all of a sudden there's no more magic, and you don't believe anymore. And then he's throwing six interceptions instead of six touchdowns. He's a Harvard guy. The, the NFL teams are merely venture capitalists to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a Harvard guy that when he needs to raise seed money or Series A or Series B funding, he does what he has to do to get the money. This is what Brian <laughs> Fitzpatrick is. This That's is so true, the man. next version of raising money. Like, you know what? We're going a little fun. We're, go- we're, we're running a little low here on this startup that I started out of Harvard. As a Harvard founder, it's time to raise some money. And he's been balling. I will say my favorite part of Ryan Fitzpatrick, because I am a quarterback hater, as you know. I love to give quarterback shit because I feel like people don't do it enough in sports media. But when he came out in the post game with the outfit he had on yesterday, I was all in. I'm I'm good. We can ship we can ship Jameis off after that. I'm all in on Ryan Swaggy. Wow. I just because he doesn't take himself too seriously. And even in the interviews, he's like, "Look, I've been here before. I'm just enjoying the moment, not thinking too much of it, having a good time with it. My guys are having a good time with it. We're two and zero. Time to stay humble." And he comes out with the gold chain and the chest hair flowing. I'm a big proponent of chess hair. I'm a chess hair guy myself. So it's just because you're too lazy to trim it. Very true. But nonetheless, <laughs> if you make it cool, <laughs> it saves me time. Thank you, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for making chess hair cool again. Somebody put on Twitter a picture of uh, Ryan Fitzmagic in his postgame presser. And they said, I figure out, I figured out what my Halloween costume is going to be this year. And it was perfect because you look like some type of blend between MC Hammer and the Duck Dynasty people. It was just like that perfect blend. And I think the, the, the best and worst qualities of Ryan Fitzmagic as a quarterback, not just as an entertainer because we all love him. He's very entertaining. But the best and worst part is his gas is low, right? And for all of you that don't know what that means at home, his gas is short for give a shit he (laughs) don't give a shit and that's why he can go out there and he can sling the ball around all these weapons they have in tampa and and he'll have these awesome games right when the game plan is on and everyone's feeling it around him he's just gonna keep throwing the ball he's like uh 
the kid at the carnival, right? He's just yep. going to keep chucking the ball through that hole. He's going to keep shooting that shot. It doesn't matter if it goes in or if it gets intercepted. He's going to keep throwing it. But that's also his downfall because when the game plan isn't perfect, when the defense is playing a little bit better, when his weapons aren't on their game, he's just going to keep throwing it. And instead of having all those touchdowns, they're all going to be interceptions. And then the whole thing is going to tank. So he actually needs to give more of a shit, I think, if he ever wants to be the franchise quarterback for the long term. But I don't think he does because he's at a point in his career. He's made so much money. He's so old. He knows this is just going to be for a little while. So he's just going to have fun with it. And you saw that in the postgame presser. Joe, that might have been the smartest thing you've ever said in your life. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. The, I, I think. The, the give a shit meter should be on a scouting report. Because to be honest, you can, you can give too much of a shit. I feel like in my career, I had too much gas. Like, it was too high. And that can also affect you negatively. And then there's too low. You got to find the right middle ground of gas because then it frees you up to play like your best level game. I feel like if it's too high, you know, you start overthinking things, you start getting gun shy, you know, you start, you know, doing things to protect against making mistakes as opposed to making plays. And you're right that the gas meter is a real thing, man. And I'm, I'm blown right now. I'm blown. Hawk, am I tripping or did Vontae Davis just execute the greatest finesse of all time by retiring from the Bills at halftime? You know what? You are and you're not. Number one, I don't know if it's really a finesse because I think people are assuming that he's going to be able to keep his guaranteed money. I don't think that's how it works. I think if he retired, let's say after two games, he gets a prorated amount of his signing bonus or his, con his uh, salary for the year because you just can't quit. I think that's like a the uh <laughs> that's like point A of the contract yeah, with the like, signing bonus. It's guaranteed. If you don't show up, you cannot <laughs> keep the signing bonus. Yeah, it's like that is not what guaranteed means. But the way that he retired, it was my favorite thing from Sunday over every storyline, just because there have been games at halftime where I felt like, man. I would love to go home right now and just <laughs> at this very moment. But no one ever has the balls to do it. No one's ever like, you know, I'm actually going to get dressed and walk out. <laughs> Freedom, he probably felt walking to his car from the locker room, fully dressed with fans cheering in the background because it's still the third quarter. That should have been slow mode. It should have been documented. And he should have. I hope he took a million mental pictures because, yes, did he let his team down? Of course. Was it disrespectful? <laughs> Most definitely. Would I be pissed if I was on his team? To no end. But there's still a little part of me that loves every bit of it, and I don't know why. Let me tell you, Hawk, when, when uh, you're a receiver and you're down 25 points at halftime, as a receiver, I know you're thinking, oh, this is great. Now we're going to be in the two-minute offense the whole second <laughs> half, and I can boost my stats with some garbage yards and some garbage catches. So don't act like you would love to retire at halftime of a blowout because you know this was going to be good for your fantasy totals, right? But for me, on the other hand, as an offensive lineman, talk about a flipping nightmare when you're down 30 because all I'm going to be doing in that second half is pass protecting. In the two-minute drill, I'm going to be getting tired. The defensive line, now all they're thinking, just like a selfish receiver like you are, Hawk, they're going to be thinking, oh, now it's time to get my sacks. Time to get my bonus that I've got in my contract for eight sacks on the year or whatever that is. So I'm thinking, crap, 
they're going to be rotating two guys and all they're going to be trying to do the rest of the game is get a sack on me, right? We're going to be in two minute drill. So we're going to have three or four receivers on the field. We're going to have no help. We're, we're not going to have any chips. We're not going to have any slides. It's going to be a total nightmare the entire second half. So I, on the other hand, unlike you, ha- actually have a good reason to retire at halftime, whereas <laughs> somebody like you or a defensive lineman has no good reason to retire at halftime. But I did love the Vontae Davis thing. Quick story. So I, I was watching all these games, and so I didn't really see all the NFL news because I was trying to be involved in these games at the time. And our great people at the, the Tomahawk social media team came up with a kick-ass Vontae Davis meme. And Hawk sent it to me and was like, hey, what do you think about this? And I saw it, and I looked at it, and I was like, what the hell is this? I didn't recognize any of the people in that photo. I didn't know if that was supposed to be like Josh Gordon getting like the piece out or what. And I was totally clueless, and I said, Hawk, I don't know what the hell this is. You're going to have to fill me in. And uh, I think you wrote back like three words like, check out Vontae Davis. And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, my God. And I just dropped my pen. He actually walked out on that team at halftime. Can you imagine? In my mind, all of a sudden, I was like having some type of uh, dream where I'm watching in that locker room at halftime and Fonte Davis stands up on like a, a desk. Like, you know, the old school locker rooms, they had like the wooden desks and right. like, the, like the gym lockers on the wall. In my head, I close my eyes and he like stands up on that desk and he takes his helmet off and he takes his pads off and he's like, men. I just can't do it anymore. And he gives this fiery Braveheart speech about how, you know, family is so important to me and I just, I just don't have the love of the game anymore like I should. And he says, men, it's up to you. You must carry the torch. And he like passes it off and he walks out. They do a slow like clap. Cheers. Yeah, they like slow clap him. When in reality, I think what he probably did is he snuck in the locker room right before halftime, took his crap off and, and got out of there without a shower. He took his shower pill and went home. Oh, man, you know that was a shower pill. Could you imagine if he showered before he left? <laughs> if he was in the shower at halftime <laughs> and the, the team walked in and was like, hey, man, what's going on with Vontae? Why is he in the shower? And they're like, I don't know. Maybe his nuts were stinking after the first half too much. And he had to go Vontae and- doesn't play for you guys anymore. Good luck. Off. Hey, so right. I, was, I was hosting SportsCenter on Snap last night, and the show is actually live right now on Snapchat. But I was so excited, and I'm like, what do I do with this story? I, it has to be funny. What I ended up doing, which I'm very excited about, I did a, a mock 30 for 30 trailer, um, the Vontae Davis story. 30 for 30 <laughs> presents Nah Fam, the Vontae Davis story. And it is, it is my... It might be the pinnacle of my media career. I don't wow. think I'll get – I'll top this ever. All right. I'm going to have to check good, that out. you have any good halftime stories, Joe? I have one if you don't. It's not anybody retiring, but my, my, my best halftime story is we're, I'm, with the Bengals, we're playing the Bears. This might have been opening day. I think it was the opening day game in 2013. We're going into halftime. There's like <clears> – I don't know. There's like a minute in – we get the ball back as an offense, like a minute and 20 seconds left or something. So our offensive coordinator that year is Jay Gruden, who was obviously Jordan Gruden's brother, who's obviously the head coach of the Washington Redskins now. But he was the offensive coordinator then. So we get the ball back, like backed up. He throws like three straight hitches or something crazy. We took off like seven seconds off the clock, right? So now we got the ball at a minute and 20. We punted at like a minute and 10. Kicked it to Chicago. Chicago runs two plays and kicks a field goal. 
for points. Well, that year was the year we had James Harrison. Now, this is a new for everyone in the locker room. James Harrison's adjusting to a new locker room, new defense. We're kind of getting the feels for everybody, that kind of thing. We've heard about Debo. We don't really know Debo. He's never, like, never roared his head. So, at this point, with a minute 20 left, Jake Gruden throws three straight passes, all incompletes. Punt it. They come down and kick a field goal. <laughs> all of a sudden, I hear on the sideline walking in, motherfucker, da 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 I'm like, who the hell? Like, it was, like, loud and, like, like a grizzly bear. And I look over and James Harrison, who's about five foot nine tall and five foot nine wide, he is going like veins popping out of his head. So I'm like, oh, he is upset. Someone must have missed a call in defense. We get in the locker room. I get in the locker room. There is at least, no exaggeration, seven people holding James Harrison back from Jay Gruden. Like he is trying to fight this. We spent the whole halftime trying to prevent James Harrison <laughs> from eating Jay Gruden. And the, the craziest part is Jay Gruden wasn't backing down. Really? Oh, that's Dude, I was friend. like, yo, are Jay Gruden and James Harrison about to fight right now? Wow. Hmm. Now, it didn't end up getting there. They ended up actually being yeah. very cool for the rest of the year, but it was yeah. opening day. That's, we, spent our whole, we didn't talk about any X's and O's or anything. I watched the entire time James Harrison try to – eat another human who was a football yeah, coach how about that i give jay gruden credit for standing up though i mean that, that's a good way to get a lot of respect from the rest of that locker room yep. you know because he knows he's going to get his ass whooped right mm -hmm. jay gruden doesn't look like he knows where the weight room is in washington he's a little doughy right let's let's just <laughs> be honest he doesn't really know how to hit the bench press he doesn't know what a squat is but to not back down even though you know you're going to get murdered that, that's a good way to get some respect. All right, let's go, to, let's go to the next, uh, are you tripping? All right, am I tripping? Or is Patrick Mahomes the next Michael Jordan? Well, I would say if it was between him and Deshaun Watson, I would say it's Patrick Mahomes right now because he is lighting the league on fire. But I'm going to say, I got to give a lot of that credit to Andy Reid, right? And John Dorsey. And here's why. Oh. Because... Last year, many of you may not know, but Patrick Mahomes was a rookie and he had a guy named Alex Smith in front of him, right? The Chiefs said, hey, let's watch and let this guy sit on the bench the whole season, watch Alex Smith learn, process, make mistakes in his mind, understand what Andy Reid wants, understand NFL defense is better, so that when he goes in there in his second year, he's going to have the confidence to be able to make the throws and move the offense and he's going to be a much better player than if we just throw him out there to the Wolves and he loses his confidence and he gets beat up and he's just not ready in his first season. So fast forward to this season, Patrick Mahomes setting the league on fire. He looks amazing. Andy mm -hmm. Reid's got an outstanding offense that's built, custom made for Patrick Mahomes. The run pass options, the jet sweeps, the way that they spread the, spread the field horizontally, the play action passing, the deep shots, the underneath stuff. He makes those defenses defend every blade of grass on that field, and Patrick Mahomes is executing what he's being asked to do beautifully. He's the perfect guy for that offense, for that team with all those playmakers right now, and it looks like the Chiefs are the team to beat right now in the AFC, and I will say I think if Deshaun Watson was in a scheme like that, he would be looking the exact same way. Unfortunately, Bill O'Brien right now is trying to force a square peg into a round hole, trying to make Deshaun Watson Tom Brady in Houston, and it's not working out as well as it would if Deshaun Watson was in Kansas City.
Yeah, and Deshaun didn't play terrible yesterday. No, he's not playing terrible, but they're not using him to his fullest potential because yeah. they're limiting him on the amount of play action, RPOs, outside zone, Shanahan type stuff. Mahomes is his arm is like ridiculously live. Like he has a, a rocket cannon for a shoulder blade. I want to jump into a quick question. Joe, would you still be with the Browns if the Browns moved up in last year's draft to pick Mahomes? Honestly. Yeah, I would say that there was there's really nothing that could have happened last year or this year that would keep me in the NFL right now. I was going to say, unless he was a, an orthopedic surgeon and can give him new kneecaps. <laughs> yeah, right. Unless he had uh, somehow a way to give me joint replacement surgery. Where unless he came with a bag full of Vicodin. Yeah, right. I already took way too many Vicodins my last few years to play. I was already maxed out. Honestly, here's a quick story. Uh, at one point last season – it was towards the beginning of the season because I only played half the season. But I was taking, you know, so many Vikings during the game that I was actually getting sleepy on the bench in the middle of the second quarter. And that, at that point, I realized, like, dude, I'm in too much pain to be playing this game because I'm Bro. taking so many pain pills. I'm getting tired, even with all the spark and the coffee and the pre-workout and the pomp and circumstance that happens around game day. And I'm falling asleep on the bench because of all these pain meds dude is that what that is you, you've never taken an advil in your life so you oh have no my idea gosh. what you're joe are you about. serious you are you're high right now you are on vicodin <laughs> right now no the great thing about losing the weight that i lost and my diet's a lot better is i'm way 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 down in inflammation and my pain is like to a point where i'm not taking any pain pills I, it's awesome. it's, my wife if she, when she hears you say you didn't take any pills She's going to spit her coffee out on my kids. Hot coffee. That's how ridiculous that sounds. Because I was taking... Wait, what? Right now you're taking pills? No, not anymore. But I, I had to take a, like one a day inf inflammation pills, oh, yeah. Advil every... Like multiple yeah. Advil to try to get through practices. Yeah, did, I, did I misspeak? I said that when I was playing, I was taking tons of pills. But now I'm not taking any. You said that I wasn't taking any pills. Oh, you, you. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know. Actually, to be totally honest, Hawk, you were broken down just like me. I remember <laughs> that last that last season that I had with you, and, and you were hurting. Your knees were hurting just as bad as me. But I would be on the sideline, and you're right. I would be sleep. I you saying that? I never realized it, but I couldn't figure out. I didn't take Spark or energy drinks either. But I would be sleepy during games. Like, man, I can't wait to go have a nap. <laughs> I just thought I was getting old. Yeah, yeah. Hawk, am I tripping or should Zane Gonzalez have been left in New Orleans? Oh, golly, no, you're not tripping, unfortunately. And I hate to say that because he's, he's probably an incredible kid and that's like a such a terrible situation and it sucks to be in. But the bottom line is we are a results and performance-based business. You got a job to do, man. And to be honest, he hasn't executed it well and you could make the argument that if we had a different kicker, we could be 2-0 right now as Cleveland fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just reading what was on my script here. I actually really like Zane. He's, he's a friend from last year, and I think uh, he's a good kicker. Obviously, when you're a young kicker, though, sometimes you get in those pressure situations and one kick miss leads to another miss, and then it's in your head, and then your mechanics and right. your operation is not smooth and consistent. It's just like a golf swing. If any of the sequencing is off, the kick's going to go right or left, and then you're questioning it. And so as a kicker, it's a results business. And when you miss 
extra points and field goals in a game and you lose, you're going to get the finger pointed at you and you feel really bad for them. But that's the nature of the business. That's why you get paid. That's it. Do you think kickers should settle like hard fought games like that in football? Yeah, that's part of the game. That's why it's fun, man. You, you got to leave it to the skinny guy. For the brand. For the brand. All right. Yeah, guys. So, you know, we're on, we're on this group chat and we're in Slack together. We're watching this Browns game. And this is the second week in a row where it's just been this agonizing ending, this roller coaster of a Browns game. And you guys were a part of a lot of that inside the locker room. And now we're kind of outside of it, experience this together. But like for most of my life as a fan, when the game ends on Sunday, and most of the time it's me sitting on my couch in shock, I have to, I got to process it. And I don't really know how to do that other than I just need more information about everything. Like I need to read all I can about the Browns. <laughs> I need to, like, I can't wait for, you know, the post game show. I need immediate content. And, you know, something that's been, especially for me, that's been fantastic for that, especially when it comes to the Browns is the athletic yep. um, and how they, and how they cover sports. You know, it's a subscription-based model, so you're not getting advertisements. You're not getting pop-ups. There's no autoplay videos. Um, mm. you essentially, you subscribe. You get in-depth coverage written by guys like Jason Lloyd and um, especially on the Brown side, Zach Jackson, guys that have been doing it for a really long time on a, on a super local level. And, guys, something that's really cool is Jason Lloyd, who's covered the Cavs for forever, is now with The Athletic, and he's covering the Browns. And he does this thing called – crossover and he does this thing called final thoughts that he used to do for the Cavs and how he's doing for the Browns which is it's basically his insights from the locker room like he goes in there and he's getting these insights about what he sees conversations he's overhearing and um, I know you guys have seen a couple of those from his one from in New Orleans yesterday and it's just so it's it's the type of insight that honestly if I wasn't like I would only get if in years past I called Joe after a game so I know for you guys <laughs> All of our listeners can – you can get 40% off for a yearly subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash tomahawk. That's all yep. lowercase. Um, make sure you – it's case sensitive there. But a really good deal for our listeners. Guys, just from initial things that you saw and those final thoughts, like what kind of jumped out to you from, from the jump with, uh, with Jason Lloyd and those final thoughts about the Browns? Yeah, one of the things that I, I found really cool from that uh, The Athletic article was uh, in the huddle before that awesome connection between Tarad and Antonio Callaway, I guess Tarad said something in the huddle like, hey, if you protect this up, I'm going to score a touchdown on this play. And after the game, Joel Batonio was asked about it, and he gave the most awesome, honest answer that <laughs> I feel like he was standing in my shoes and saying exactly what came out of my brain because uh -huh. I can't tell you how many times I've been standing in that huddle and the quarterback or the receiver said, hey, if you block this up, we're going to score. And 99 out of 100 <laughs> times, there's no score that happens. It's usually an incompletion. But that time, it actually works. So the quote from Joel is, they say that a lot, Batonio joked. It just happened to work out that play. <laughs> and work out it did. Antonio Callaway made an unbelievable play when Terod Taylor leaned back and chucked that ball down the field. I thought for sure he was overthrowing Antonio. The ball went up with a perfect spiral, and it looked like it was going to go out the back of the end zone. And then Callaway made an unbelievable play on the ball, caught it, and really gave the Browns that opportunity to win the game right there at the end. No, I agree, man. Those are the two points in the article that, I, that stood out to me was the Callaway touchdown and Tyrod Taylor. On the Callaway side, it's funny because when we were watching Hard Knocks, and I remember like in the scene they were trying to make it seem like you know, Callaway couldn't get his stuff together. Like, come on, separate, get open. But I'm watching, and I'm watching him run his routes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a rookie? This dude is legit. So I knew he was going to be a beast, even earlier than that, seeing him in practice. But then also on the Tyrod side, a lot of conversation around Tyrod and, you know, what he's done and what he hasn't done. But 
if you keep it in perspective, all he's done in the first two weeks is outperform the two Hall of Fame quarterbacks he's played against. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. He outplayed Ben Roethlisberger and then backed up last week and outplayed Drew Brees. So if he outplays the, the opposing quarterback every week, we'll be in really good shape, Cleveland. We got some breaking news here, Joe. Oh, breaking news. I love it. Breaking Tomahawk news right as we're recording. The Browns announced that they will be making a move at kicker. Yeah, I don't know who the kicker is. I don't know if we have that information from Do we have that info at all? No. But no. they have announced they're making a move at kicker, which is, eh, again, I feel bad, but it's probably a smart football move. Hey, man, it's a results business. Results-based business. So uh, um, one thing that uh, got into my craw last weekend – uh, yesterday after the games is all these freaking smart guys that are on TV talking football at the end of the games always want to put the backup in at quarterback. All they want to do is talk about the Browns should be putting Baker Mayfield in. Terod Taylor was 22 of 30 for 246, 73% completion, touchdown at the end of the game, that bad inter- interception, yes. But all they want to do after the game is talk about, well, the Browns have a great defense, and if only Baker Mayfield were playing, they would probably win. So they should put Baker Mayfield in. That is such bullshit. It's I'm like tired most- of hearing it. And, and the reason they say it is it's because it's their own interest. They want yeah. to see Baker Mayfield because for their own interest, then they can talk about the rookie and all the good and the bad, and they can break it down, and they, talk, they can slice it a million different ways. But I think it's very disingenuous for anybody to say, hey, you need to put Baker Mayfield in because you lost one and then you tied the other game and you're oh one and one Right. Which is a weird record, but you are oh one and one (laughs) And they're just assuming that somehow Baker Mayfield would be able to play better than Terod. Now, Terod didn't play well in the first game. Second game, he played much better. And I don't think Baker Mayfield at this point in his career would play better than Terod. So why would you go to him just because you're zero one and one? I, th- I think you're 100% right, man. And, and, again, he outplayed two Hall of Famers. One thing Tyrod has to get a little more comfortable with is taking some of those shots earlier in the game. The Callaway shot is a good one. We need, like, probably two or three more of those earlier in games um, and giving your guys a chance. And, like I said, it's going to come with Callaway coming on with that kind of speed. Uh, what else right. we got, Joe? Tomahawk studs of the week. I'm going to name my stud of the week right here. Ready? And this is going to make my friends, our good friends at Pardon My Take, PFT, and Big Cat very happy because Blake Bortles is my stud of the week, and I think oh. Hawk is rolling over in his grave. Gosh. 29 of 45 for 377, four touchdowns, and an interception with a 111 rating. Outplayed the great Tom Brady for a big win in Jacksonville. Somehow, Blake Bortles has come back from the dead being the most hated quarterback in the NFL and taking that Jacksonville Jaguars team, which they have a great defense, but he's taking that team to the forefront of the AFC and beat the Patriots in week two. Oh, goodness. My Patriots, man. My guys. <laughs> Who's my your start of the week, Hawk? My start of the week is A.J. Green, five receptions, 69 yards, and three touchdowns in one half. Look, I know I'm biased. And everyone always asks me, who's the best receiver in the league? Who's the best receiver in the league? And I always say, like, the traditional, oh, Antonio Brown, Julio, a, you know, OBJ, only because I feel like when I say AJ, people will think I'm just being a homer. But, no, I'm sick of that shit. It's over. AJ Green should be in the conversation for best receiver in the league. All he does is shut his mouth and average 1,200 yards 
every single year, no matter who's back there. And he just does it the right way. So that's, that's my stud of the week, and that's my declaration. All right, Zerm, no huddle. All right, that was a bold take, Hawk, and I like it. Um, yes. All right, guys, so got a couple of quick fan questions for you before we wrap today. Uh, the first one comes from Reddit. This is G.I. Joe uh, 4500 on Reddit. He asks, um, if you guys were a bobsled team, who would drive and who would be the brakeman? Hawk's the driver, right? Because I just can't think that Hawk's big enough to put his arms around me. I, I'm guessing that if we're on a motorcycle or a bobsled or whatever, his little arms aren't going to fit halfway around. He won't be able to hang on. But if you put Hawk in one of those little baby Bjorns, I think we could fit him nicely on my chest. And then we would be able to get down in that bobsled thing. It would be like a one-man bobsled versus a two-man. So I think it would be a distinct advantage. There's never a world where I'm going to have a conversation about Joe spooning me. So, <laughs> G.I. Joe, you can Joe Hawk yourself. Uh, firm, next question. <laughs> the bobsled team between Joe and Hawk is not happening. Pretty different. <laughs> this one comes from uh, the shysty one. Uh, guys, for both of you, what's one thing that you will not eat that we wouldn't expect? What's one thing you'll never touch? Mm. Oysters. The only thing on the face of the earth that I won't eat, I've tried it a million times, I just don't like them, is olives. And it's so weird because I love salty things. I'll eat anything. I'll eat liver. I'll eat eyeballs. I'll eat lung. It does not matter what it is. I will eat it. Moldy, old, new, frozen, hot, cold. It doesn't matter. I'll eat anything. I'm very adventurous, but I just don't like olives. Besides the fact that I'm a, a, cre- a creature of habit and I don't deviate from things I like, TD will tell you I eat the same lunch every single day um, and, a, and, a, and a Mountain Dew. I won't eat oysters. I tried it one time in New Orleans. We're like the capital of oysters. And I felt like I was eating an eyeball. And I was like, you know what? Never again will I ever put that in my mouth. Mm. Oysters aren't great, but I'll eat them. <laughs> All right, guys. And uh, finally, we have multiple questions from people. This is also something I want to know. And Joe, I know you're adamant that you will never join Instagram. But what is the one thing that people what what do we have to do to get a bunch of selfies of Joe Thomas on his own Instagram account? Mm-hmm. I want to start the, the Joe Thomas selfie page. And it just be all you don't have to do it. Joe. I'll run it. Just send me the selfies and I'll post them. I guarantee you I can get that to 20,000 followers within a within two weeks my life is so boring the last thing on earth anybody wants to see is me doing boring things on an instagram page and that's where i'm going to leave that one so joe's going to be on instagram don't worry people let me work my mat he said the same thing about twitter give me me a couple months it's very true all right guys well that's a wrap on those questions also quickly joe i had your beer this weekend for the first time i had it yesterday and you know what it was delicious it was really good so i'm glad you liked it I had my former neighbor text my wife yesterday and said, hey, do you have any extra stash of Joe Thomas beer? Because we can't find it anywhere here in Cleveland. She was being dead serious. No kidding. It has really sold very, very well. People seem to love it. There's a lot of people that are picking up six packs, going to the games. There's a lot of people that are buying the cans because the cans are kind of a cool Browns-ish type can. So I think from a collector standpoint, it's pretty cool. But actually, people that are just beer people have been drinking it. And have been commenting about how it's very drinkable, but it's also kind of unique. And, you know, sometimes women or men, they, they have very specific type of beers that they like. But this beer seems to uh, appeal to a broad spectrum of folks. And uh, so for those of you that have got it on tap, I've heard that on tap it's even better. And that's why I've got a kegerator of 73 Kolsch <laughs> in my basement. And I drink that stuff on tap every single night. If I can just get the 16 Mountain Dew. <laughs> my life would be complete 
Would um, it be like code red? Yeah, live wire, the orange stuff. All right, well, I think that does it for today's episode. Again, make sure you guys hit the athletic slash tomahawk up. Um, shout out to the fan at the New Orleans game who had the tomahawk jersey. We see you. We love you. We appreciate you. Like we do all our fans, you guys follow us on social at Tomahawk Show. Tweet us with the hashtag Tomahawk. Make sure you join our listener league at DraftKings. Promotional code H-I-K-E for some big-time savings. Subscribe. Rate five stars. And, uh, Joe, any final thoughts? No final thoughts, man. Other than the NFL needs to change their ridiculous rule on roughing the passer. But (laughs) you can go to my Twitter and hear a little bit more about that if you're interested. There you go. Well, TD, welcome. Take us out, brother. Joe Hawk yourself. Yes! That was awesome. That was terrible. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.